Lots of channels, nothing to watch, especially if you're searching for the truth. It's time to interrupt your regularly scheduled programs with something actually worth watching. Salem News Channel, straightforward, unfiltered, with in-depth insight and analysis from the greatest collection of conservative minds like Hugh Hewitt, Mike Gallagher, Sebastian Gorka, and more. Find truth. Watch 24-7 on SNC.TV and on Local Now, Channel 525. Welcome to Yesterday, Today, and Tomorrow with your host, In Sung Kim. Sponsored by Hope in Mission, LLC. To connect with the show, go to insungkim.org. That's I-N-S-E-O-N-G-K-I-M dot O-R-G. Or listen to Insung on oneplace.com. And now it's time for Yesterday, Today, and Tomorrow with your host, Insung Kim. Hello, this is In Song Kim from Yesterday, Today, and Tomorrow. We have a special guest. And in America, there's a 65 million people in U.S. struggling to care for loved ones. And our special guest, guest is Mr. Peter Rosenberg. He's author and syndicated radio host and who considered himself fluent in caregiver. Thank you so much for being with us. Well, it's a pleasure to be with you again, and, and I do appreciate you having me on your program, Insong. Thank you so much. Before we begin to our program, would you share about your radio programs, where people can listen to? Sure. It's uh, heard every week. Uh, it's called Hope for the Caregiver. It's heard at various times. You can go out to my website, hopeforthecaregiver.com. We're on about 200 stations and um, it's including American Family Radio and the Truth Network and others. And you can also, the podcast is available there. The podcast is free. We have over 700 episodes, and it's all designed to strengthen the family character. Yeah, so website addresses, one more time, please. Hopeforthecaregiver.com. Hopeforthecaregiver.com. How powerful ministry this is because sometimes... As a caregiver, we can neglect ourselves, but uh, you're encouraging the caregiver, actually source of the power that taking care of the uh, who needs caregiver, right? Well, that's right. I was I shared last time I was with you, my wife had a very, very serious automobile accident back in 1983, 40 years ago. Hmm. Now, that's resulted in over 85 operations, both of her legs amputated, and she lives with severe chronic pain. Now, how am I going to take care of her if I am financially destitute? How am I going to take care of her if I'm morbidly obese? How am I going to take care of her if I am bitter, resentful? How am I going to take care of her if I'm depressed? How am I going to do all the things that are required for me to do for her if I am a, a hot mess myself. Mm-hmm. And so everything I do with my fellow caregivers through my radio show, through my new book, which is called a minute for caregivers when every day feels like Monday. And they're just one minute chapters. It's designed to point fellow caregivers to safety. Mm-hmm. Well, what does safety look like? Where do you stand? How do you understand how to function in this? And one of the principles that I came to in song is that my wife has a savior. 
I'm not that savior. Mm-hmm. I'm a steward. I do not. I do not own this. I did not do this to her. I cannot undo it. Mm-hmm. But she has a savior who is keenly aware of her. But I am charged with caring for her day to day, and I serve her better if I am healthy, physically, emotionally, fiscally, professionally, all of the above. And that's what. I pass on to my fellow caregivers on what this looks like. I speak fluent caregiver. There's a language that we caregivers have, and I speak it fluently. But it's our Savior's native tongue, and that's the great news. Because that's who he is. Hmm. Yeah. And so you uh, mentioned it here a little bit about you, you, even yourself, had a difficult time. Uh, overwhelmed to checking yourself into mental hospital. Which, which oh, I tried to. They wouldn't take me. <laughs> they wouldn't. They wouldn't take me. I tried. I wanted to get. To, I said, I need a break. They said, Well, we can't keep you here. You're not crazy. And I said, Well, put that in writing <laughs> because there's some people that need to see that. And and I, I I begged them to let me stay. They wouldn't let me stay. They said we've been giving out box lunches all day long. We got one left, and it's tuna fish. Do you want it? So I, I've never turned down a tuna fish sandwich in my whole life, and so I said, yes, I do. So in song, I tried to have myself committed to a mental institution, and all I got was a tuna sandwich. <laughs> oh, wow. That's just wrong right there. Okay. Uh, so how um, do caregivers take a break? How do we handle that? Well, <clears throat> it's hard, and you have to be creative. Mm-hmm. Um, you may not get a day off, but you may be able to take hours off. Mm-hmm. And part of taking a break is the, the first part of taking a break is learning how to take a break internally mm. to realize that I need to stop striving this. I can't fix this. I didn't cause this. I can't change it. I can't undo it. That's not my job. That's not my pay grade. I don't have the ability to make my wife's legs grow back. I mm-hmm. have to learn to accept that this is where we are. This is it. And if I, I can rail against it. I can be angry. I can be, you know, bitter and everything else. But what good is that going to do me? Mm-hmm. So the first vacation we have to take, the first break we take is emotionally inside realizing, okay, this is not up to me to fix this. I'm here to care for her. Mm-hmm. And then once you do that, everything starts flowing from there. If you remember in scripture where Jesus said, come unto me, all you are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you what? Rest. He said rest, not sleep. Rest. And rest and sleep are two different things. And part of the problem for us as caregivers is that we are not at rest. We are constantly striving. And I get that. I've been there, done that. Got the T-shirt for it. You know, I I get that. Mm -hmm. But that's where it starts is, okay, can we stop striving to somehow rail against something and one of the greatest places to start with this is in the book of Jeremiah, in chapter 29. Now, in chapter 29, 11, a lot of people know that verse. It says, I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you, and, and so forth and so on. But they don't read the verses leading up to that. Mm. Now, these people were in Babylon. They were captives in a distant land. They did not want to be there. The Israelites wanted to go home. 
And Jeremiah the prophet comes to them, and they're thinking, this is going to be great. He's going to give us a great word from God, and we're going to get to go home. But that's not what Jeremiah said. He told him, he says, thus saith the Lord. And I'm going to paraphrase, but what Jeremiah essentially told him was, you settle down. You get married. You have children. You have grandchildren. You build houses. You plant vineyards. You pray for the peace of the community you live in. And you live there. I put you there. I will bring you out when I'm ready because I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. Well, that's not what the people really wanted to hear, but that's what they had to hear. Mm -hmm. That's the message God gave them. And so I look at my situation with my wife. You could, I can sit around and we can pray real hard and squint our eyes real tight and say, God, get us out of this. God, get us out of this. But eventually, Somebody's got to go in the kitchen and make breakfast. Mm. Somebody's got to do the laundry. Mm. Somebody's got to clean the house. Somebody's got to go to work. Mm-hmm. we got to live life. Mm-hmm. And we trust that God knows where we are, and when he's ready to change these circumstances, he will. But until then, we're going to live life and trust him that he has a plan for us, even in the midst of these very difficult things that my wife and I have to go through. Mm. And that's what I want my fellow caregivers to understand. This is not punishment. He's not being punitive towards you these he has a purpose for all these things and we can trust him Mm. and by doing so that helps us rest settle our hearts down so then we can start being creative okay then the break well what does that look like for some people it looks like you know going on a walk or going to a movie or or you know going camping or something some people like to garden paint or whatever, but you can do these things and you learn to be creative in doing it, knowing that it is not up to you to fix your loved one's circumstances. It's up to you to care for them, provide for them, love them, and point them to Christ. Yeah, and also probably community might help, right? Giving a break a little bit. They can, but but if the caregiver is so bitter and so resentful, they're not even going to know how to ask for help or receive help from the community. Mm. It starts with the caregiver learning to settle ourselves down. Mm. we got to settle down. We've got to relax and know that we are not uh, responsible for fixing this, that God truly knows where we are. If he's Lord at all, then he's Lord of all, mm. including 85 surgeries and multiple amputation and hundreds of doctors. Yeah, that's right. And also, I think you shared at, um, at um, this book, The Minute for Caregivers. Like every day, um, this minute uh, to reading this might help uh, greatly to give, like you shared it, soul break like resting in God. I think it's an amazing book that can uh, help so many caregivers. Well, the chapters are one minute. They're one minute. They're, you can literally read each chapter in one minute. Mm-hmm. And you don't even have to read it straight through. You can pick it up and turn to any page you want to uh, go to. You can go to any page in my book, and you'll find something that's going to help a caregiver that day. In fact, I'll test it with you mm-hmm. in song. I'll mm-hmm. test it with you. All right. You feel like doing a test with me? Yes. Okay. All right. You pick a number. Uh, the book has 200 and, uh, 
uh, let's see, 239 pages, I believe. And uh, so pick them, and it starts on page number, the first chapter starts on page number, I think, uh, ten, uh, seven. So between seven and 239, you pick a number in song, any number. 38. 38. 38. We're going to turn to page 38, and I'm going to see what Insong has picked that is going to help us learn to live a healthier life as a caregiver. Okay? Mm. Insong, I have to put on my glasses, all right? Okay. This this chapter talked about me seeing my doctor for a bunion, because mm-hmm. I got a bunion on my foot. And he said, I, I was complaining about pain on one side of it, and on this particular page, page 38, the doctor helped identify and treat the root issues of my foot pain and the discomfort eased. With his help, I improved the way I walk. I also learned that when focusing on the root cause of my stress, invariably my defects instead of others, that's the root cause, my defects of my stress, not my wife. My wife's situation does not cause me stress in that sense. It's my character defects that do that. When I focus on that, I improve the way I live. Mm. And I put a quote from Socrates. It says, once we know ourselves, we may learn how to care for ourselves. Mm. And so when I went to my doctor, that story, I was complaining about the left side of my foot. Mm-hmm. And he said, uh, it's real painful there. And he said, well, you have a bunion. And I said, well, I know, but that's on the right side. He said, no. Your bunion is causing stress. The root cause of your problem is causing other areas to hurt. He said, I bet your knee is hurting too. Mm. And I said, it is. He said, that's because it's throwing off your entire walking gait. Mm. And the cause of your problem is not where you're feeling the pain. It's a, you've got a defect. Mm. And so I look at my life as a caregiver and I realize, I'm like, okay, if my wife had her legs back or if she wasn't going through this, then I wouldn't be hurting. But that's not what the problem is. The problem is me. Mm. The problem is my defect. And that's pinching areas that are causing stress and discomfort. And when I learn to make peace with what's going on Mm -hmm. and recognize that I have to get myself treated, I have to deal with my defects, with my character issues, with my lack of trust, with my lack of rest, with my lack of peace, then will see me learn to live more peacefully with all the things around me, including my wife's disability. That's right. And so the joy, the attitude of joy is it's a kind of choice that we make. It it is. And and a lot of it has to do with, are we grateful? Mm -hmm. Cicero said that gratitude is the virtue from which all others spring. Mm Mm-hmm. Do you know how hard it is to be resentful when you're grateful? Mm, You can't do it. Mm -hmm. If we're grateful, we don't have time for bitterness. But are we grateful? We talked about in our last program together with you that we talked about this country. Are we grateful for this country? Look Look at the turmoil in this country. And you know who's causing this? People who aren't grateful. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The more gratitude we have mm-hmm. for the freedoms that we have, for the blessings that we have, for the for the <laughs> excuse me, for the promises we have in God through Christ, mm-hmm. the more grateful we are 
the less time we have to feel sorry for ourselves, to feel miserable, to feel uh, despairing, and all those kinds of things. Mm-hmm. Gratitude is a huge part of our life as Christians, mm-hmm. and hopefully a part of our life as Americans, mm-hmm. to be grateful. But see, what I see, when I look out over the landscape of this country, I see so many people who are just ungrateful. Mm. They're not grateful for this country. They're not grateful for the environment. They, they throw trash on the ground. They, they live life just uh, flippantly. Mm. Every breath of our life is worth being grateful for. Your show in song is one that promotes life, mm-hmm. that talks about life, the, the beauty of life. Mm-hmm. And you minister to people who have been deceived into compromising that life. Mm-hmm. And so the more grateful we are for every breath that we have, mm-hmm. but everything that hath breath, praise the Lord, Scripture says. Mm-hmm. And and I I was you know, so I live in Montana now. I used to live in Tennessee, and I live in Montana. I live up in the Rockies. I go out at night sometimes, and I see the vast landscape—I mean, the stars and the heavens—and mm. you can't help but sing, "Oh Lord, my God, when I in awesome wonder consider all the works, the worlds thy hands have made. I see the stars. I hear the the rolling thunder." You know, that power throughout the universe displayed. Then sings my soul, my Savior God to thee, how great thou art. When we focus on that, we we leave no space to be miserable. And we as Christians should, of all people, be the most grateful, excited people because life is worth living, even with our hardships. Mm-hmm. And Gracie and I have difficult things that we carry. Mm-hmm. They're not going to get much easier as we get older. Mm-hmm. But we have a great Savior. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what um, I think I shared the previous uh, two weeks ago about when communist comes in, enters a society, what they do is um, really stir up the people who are in a difficult place and make them complain about uh, the society. And I think that's what we're experiencing. It's much more than people are not grateful, but it's stirred up the spirit to complain. They're, they're, uh, being, in, they're being incited, and they're, they're pitting one another against it. They're being incited <laughs> to violence and ingratitude. And this is where socialists and communists get their power by having mm-hmm. an angry bunch of people that puts them in power. And as long as they keep people agitated about something, then they're going to keep staying in power. Yeah. But mm-hmm. what, eventually what will happen is the people become agitated about the people in power. Because mm. uh, that's the ultimate, that's the, the, the end of the road for communism and socialism. Mm-hmm. The more power that a government has over its people, the more disgruntled the people are, eventually they will overthrow that government, just like the Bolsheviks did mm-hmm. uh, at, at the turn of the, 19th, uh, the 20th century. Uh, th- th- this is what happens. Mm-hmm. And this country was founded on people who said we're not going to have tyrannical rule from governments. We're going to be responsible for our own behavior mm-hmm. and our own success. Mm-hmm. And the government is there to provide a level playing field. That's it. Mm-hmm. And That's stay right. out of everything else. Yeah. 
Um, And but as long as we have government officials who enrich themselves because of their office, then they're going to twist everything to to their own corruption. And we see that played out in the news every day. Yeah, I think unfortunate thing is irony that I see it is that um, we as a nation gave um, so-called the other side a power Um, and. When people have a power and money, then it should be grateful, not promoting the bitterness or stir up the society in, with the violence. They should promote the grateful. Like, I am able to in this, be in this position, even though I couldn't, uh, but I would like to share this blessing with others and make this society more positive and grateful, and that's what the leader is about. But I think what I see is opposite, like promoting the anger, promoting resentment. And that is something that I have never seen um, while I'm in, in in America. That's that's very different. Well, you're seeing the fruit of a tree that was planted a long time ago. Mm. And you saw a lot of that when the abortion thing came out because that's when we as a society decided that it was acceptable to start killing a human life. Mm. And once we went down that path, then it just opened up more and more and more problems. Mm. And here we are now, and we have this blood-drenched society where we have devalued life. Mm -hmm. And anything that tells you, no, there are consequences, and there's responsibility, and there's accountability. Well, Mm -hmm. those are things we don't want. Mm We don't want consequences. We don't want responsibility. We don't want accountability. Mm. And you see that at every level of our society. You see people that in the White House who do not want accountability, responsibility, and consequences. You see that people in Congress. You see that people in our academic institutions, in our entertainment industry, in the news media. There's no consequences. You know, the, the whole Russia collusion was a lie. And they spent $30, $40 million investigating what they knew was a lie. Mm. And there's no consequences. Mm. Somebody was somebody had cocaine in the White House. Mm. They they know who it is. It's the most there's more cameras in the White House than there are anywhere else in the world. And there's no consequences. And when there's no consequences, then people start living this life of debauchery. And they get away with it, and it creates all kinds of issues that permeate into every part of society. Scriptures say very clearly where there is no justice, the people groan. Mm. And God is a God of love, but he's also a God of justice. Mm. And our responsibility as Christians is to do, is to do justice and to love mercy. Mm. And what we've done in our society is we've obligated people to be merciful. That's not mercy. When you have to tell somebody to be merciful, that's not mercy. Mm. What you're wanting is equity. You want everybody to have the same, not to be at the same opportunity, to have the same. Well, that's not that's not justice, and that's not appropriate. Mm-hmm. Some people are going to have more. Some people are going to have different. But the point is, is that we be good stewards of mm-hmm. what we have. And the first thing we have to be is a good steward of life in song. Mm-hmm. This is what your program, this is where your heart is, is to help people understand to be a good steward of life itself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But when we devalue life, how long before we devalue everything else? That's right. Yep. And so 
Gracie and I have learned in the midst of our very, very painful circumstances that life is worth living. Mm. Life is exciting. It has value, even with prosthetic legs, even with 85 surgeries. It is still worth living, living life abundantly. And this is the message of the gospel. This is the message of what the scriptures teach us. And we have to be able to say this with clarity and conviction to a world that is spiraling out of control. Mm. Yes. And actually, you are the light uh, of the, the world that actually living it and this beautiful testimony. Thank you so much. Hope for the caregivers. And thank you so much for being with us. And I hope many audiences can be encouraged today and have a joy in their lives. And thank you so much for being with us. Thank you very much for the privilege, Insung. HopefortheCaregiver.com if you want to know more. Thank you for the privilege. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening from yesterday, today, and tomorrow. We'll be back next week. Thank you. When I grow up, I want to work for a woke company, like super woke. When I grow up, when I grow up, I want to be hired based on what I look like rather than my skills. I want to be judged by my political beliefs. I want to get promoted based on my chromosomes. When I grow up, I want to be offended by my coworkers and walk around the office on eggshells and have my words policed by HR. Words like grandfather, peanut gallery, long time no see, no can do. When I grow up, I want to be obsessed with emotional safety and do workplace sensitivity training all day long. When I grow up, I want to climb the corporate ladder just by following the crowd. I want to be a conformist. I want to weaponize my pronouns. What are pronouns? It's time to grow up and get back to work. Introducing the number one woke-free job board in America, redballoon.work.